welcome to the Faith and Good Counsel Show, where we hope to inspire joy-filled lives through conversations at the crossroad of mental health, wellness, and faith. And now your host, Stacy Galino. Hey, y'all, thank you so much for joining me here again today on the Faith and Good Counsel Show. I hope you are well, and I hope the weather is beautiful and sunny and lovely where you are today, just like it is here, just like it is here in the Gulf South. A little warm, but we're waiting. We're hoping for winter soon. <laughs> so I have such a beautiful beautiful topic and a beautiful guest um, to share with you today. I'm holding in my hands a book written by gerontologist Matt Estrade. And Matt has done all of us such a, um, he's given us such a beautiful gift with his book, The Peace with Dementia Rosary, Education, Intentions, and Community. And so we are talking today about a very difficult topic. We're talking about dementia, but we're talking about how our faith can inform and encourage and strengthen us as we journey both as the person who is who has dementia, but also those who are care partners with the person who has dementia and those that, that love that person. So I want to welcome and bring on to the show Matt Estrade. Thank you so much for joining us today, Matt. My pleasure, Stacey. Thanks for having me on. Well, I am just very, very intrigued, and, and I love just this book. It's a resource for me, in fact. I've added it to my arsenal of books that I use as I work with um, dear souls who come to me with various and sundry problems and issues and brokenness in their lives. And more often than not, I would say nearly every one of us uh, nowadays seems to have someone that we know or love who is suffering with dementia living with dementia, I should say. And I think that your book, The Peace with Dementia Rosary, is such a gift to us. First of all, two questions. I want to know what you mean by dementia, because that word can strike anxiety and fear. Um, And sometimes even I've heard people will ridicule themselves saying, I've got dementia. I don't think, Matt, that we really know just as the common Joe and Josephine right in the street, we don't really know what dementia is and it's big and scary. And secondly, I want to know why the dementia rosary. Well, it's a great first question. So dementia, um, if you look at it, if you look up the, the technical term in, in the, the journals is, is it's dementia is a broad term that describes a set of symptoms. So it's not a specific disease. I'll get into that. But it's uh, dementia is more of a syndrome or a group of symptoms symptoms that most commonly include uh, some kind of memory impairment, so so forgetting things where it's disrupting your daily life, uh, this uh, diminished judgment in making decisions that used to be really easy, uh, the inability to to plan simple things like a trip to the store. Uh, it could mean challenges with using words or communicating. It could be disorientation of time and place. So this is just a, uh, these are just some of the more common ones that you see in dementia. Now, the next question should be, or the sub-question is, well, what's causing the dementia? Yes. And that's where we get into some, some of these words that we um, use more commonly, such as Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. That causes, we think, between uh, 16 to 80% of all dementia cases. And then you have vascular dementia, which is caused by strokes. Mm-hmm. You have dementia with Lewy bodies, which is uh, are caused by different proteins other than the Alzheimer's um, proteins. 
and the list goes on and on. And there are other diseases where the primary uh, the primary symptom is not memory. Um, it could be different types of behavioral expressions, um, inability to act appropriately or as, as they used to. So, so dementia I use as a big term to catch all of these other uh, specific de- diseases. Mm-hmm. Um, but to kind of put a bow on it, it, it it usually will involve memory impairment, short-term memory impairment, and then some inability uh, to do things that that used to um, or that we're used to doing. Um, and by not being able to do that, it disrupts our lives. Like we, we might have to retire early. Um, we might have to get somebody to help watch us um, where we live. Yeah, a couple of other um, causes that are, are sort of big categories, I guess, of causes that are coming to my mind from the psychiatric experience and, and the literature are two things, you know, traumatic brain injury such as yep. that, chronic, you know, rep- repetitive such as that in sports injuries that Absolutely. we're finding, yeah, that that's, that's a source. Um, and then also undertreated or untreated severe and persistent mental illness where, you know, there's deterioration of the brain, frankly. And so we're seeing that as well. And so there's, this is really a truly a big and broad um, category of, of symptoms um, that are, that are devastating to the, the person, the person who is still there, right? The person who has created unique and unrepeatable in yeah. God's image is still and remains there forever, um, but it's also devastating for a family. And I know, I know, Matt, that you mentioned in your book that you had a family member who suffered from a form of dementia who was very much, um, at least in part, the inspiration for your book, The Peace with Dementia Rosary. And I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about your inspiration and who he was. Yeah, my, my grandfather, Grandpa um, Milton, um, was my mom's father and a World War II veteran, Aww. entrepreneur, radio guy, big wow. televisions, radios. He had a he had a shop on Camp Street, I think. He had a big RCA sign and everything. Um, so he was a really neat guy. And um, towards the end of my high school career, around ninety four, ninety five, um, he started developing dementia, and then I went off to college. And my mom, it was it was it wasn't really till I was in college and I was my my brother and I were home from Thanksgiving where my mom sat me down and told me that like your grandfather doesn't remember me anymore I go see him at the VA hospital but you know there's there's something going on with him so um I will never forget you know sitting down in our den and you know having that conversation and then just hearing about you know over the next couple of years you know the all the different challenges that my mom would go through either uh in taking care of him, being an advocate for him. Uh, there was some financial exploitation by um, mm. somebody who befriended him. Mm. So he, was, he was, you know, scammed. Uh, so there's just so many things that uh, that can happen when you're the caregiver. And she's, she was the sole caregiver, no mm. brothers or sisters. Wow. And that happens sometimes even when you do have siblings. It ends up falling on one person, unfortunately. Yeah. So I got to see her go through that. And even though my career did not go in that direction, um, right away, the, uh, that just never, that the scenario and the situation that they were both in just never left me. And I realized, you know, the baby boomers are, are a huge portion of the population. And this, uh, dementia is a disease that, uh, the highest, the the biggest risk factor is age. So as the, the, the boomers age, there's going to be what we think is going to be a, uh, a larger wave of people 
experiencing dementia. So I, uh, after Katrina, I was uh, trying to think, you know, where do I go from here? Do I stay in my same career or do I do something different? And uh, with all that stuff in mind, I decided to start going to school for the master's in gerontology. And, you know, that's what brings me here and uh, brings the book. Wow. So that's so you had a prior career prior to being a gerontologist, which for our listening audience, what is a gerontologist? So a gerontologist is someone uh, I, I say, I think a good way of saying is that it is a compliment um, to a geriatrician. So a geriatrician or a or a medical doctor in geriatrics mm-hmm. will focus on the older population. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's all medical, that's diagnosing, that's prescribing medicine when needed, uh, that, that medical realm. Uh, a gerontologist is more in the uh, psycho- psychological, sociological, and even biological, mm-hmm. uh, looking at the changes that come in aging and uh, helping people age successfully. Wow, you're talking my language, biopsychosocial, yeah. <laughs> which includes our faith, which is what I love so much, um, so many things about your, your new book, The Peace with Dementia Rosary. And circling back to our previous question is, why the Dementia Rosary, Matt? So I've always turned to the rosary in times when I needed help, and I know we should do it we should turn to the rosary all the time, and I do that daily now. Yeah. But when I was going through grad school or other challenging times in my life, I would I would turn to the rosary and ask for Mary's intercession. And my last year of graduate school, where I was doing my research project and thesis, and taking classes and raising kids with my wife, and and working full time was certainly no exception. So you know, I had concerns that, you know, the research project wouldn't go well, that I wouldn't be able to recruit people, that, you know, I wouldn't be able to finish it in time or defend it. You know, there's always uh, some kind of, you know, mini crisis, so we think. And um, I decided that uh, I just need to give that up to to Mary, give it up to God. Mm. And although I didn't say, say this per se, it was almost like, if you can get me through this, Mm. I'm going to honor you in some way. Um, and so I did graduate in December of 2017 and I was used to writing because over the last eight months I was either writing my project or, uh, writing it up or defending it. So I was still in this writing mode and I just felt inspired that December and January that I'm going to write something that will honor Mary that will help others because at the same time, while all this, while, while all of this is going on, the prayer, I am uh, in my support group that I lead. There were, there were Catholics that kept coming to my classes and they're from various parishes around the area. And while it was a, it was a, a support group led um, or facilitated um, and paid for by the state, um, and it wasn't religious per se, people would come in and they would share their faith. And mm-hmm. I was, Yes. Uh, really touched by how people are, um, you know, clinging to their faith to get them through these difficult times. Uh, so I did some research, and uh, I didn't find many books um, that that I that I would write for faith and for dementia. So I decided to write one myself. So that January 2018, I started outlining. Um, 
and got some good responses on on Facebook. I think I put that, hey, I'm I'm writing I'm writing a book. So there were a lot of people that seemed to be interested in it. So um, I kept praying about it and working on it and outlining and working on it late nights and early mornings while while working. And then finally um, got it published. I think it was uh, January of this year, 2019. My goodness, what a labor of love! And I just love that it that was so inspired from these memories, these beautiful memories of the gift of self. You know, of this grandfather that that you so honored and respected and loved, and then your mother's gift of herself to him, and then your your faith. You know, just growing up with your faith and always loving the rosary, and then, you know. I just love that that you are, without saying it directly, you see, I can tell that you see that we as a people are, um, as, as human persons are created to be integrated, body and soul composite, and yet mm-hmm. we are so disintegrated. And I think what you were seeing in your support group is, as you said, people are so clinging to their faith, is that it is an integral, you know, it's it's part of the essence of our of our um, the suffering that that people are enduring in this particular cross of dementia. And I love that that your book, you know, is really combining all of the best of beautiful evidence based science, you know, and the biopsychosocial view of the human person that includes our Catholic faith. And so all of that is is culminating in. Matt Estrade's book, The Peace with Dementia Rosary. So Matt, when we come back, I actually want to delve a little more deeply into the book and kind of give people an idea of what they can expect when they order a copy of your book. Can we do that? All right. That sounds great. Awesome. Dementia is a diagnosis that no one desires to receive. In his book, The Peace with Dementia Rosary, gerontologist and dementia specialist Matt Estrade shines a ray of hope for persons living with dementia and their care partners and family, as well as health care providers in and through the integrated lens of our Catholic faith and authentic science. Inspired by his own family story of dementia, his professional expertise, and his deep faith, Matt offers needed education and important resources through his writings and podcast, his professional practice, and unique community of support. I invite you to check out Matt's work, which is a gift to us all, and to get your copy of his book, The Peace with Dementia Rosary, today. Visit DementiaRosary.com for more information. That's D-E-M-E-N-T-I-A-R-O-S-A-R-Y.com. We are back. Thank you so much for sticking with us here on the Faith and Good Counsel Show. I am so delighted to have with me and just our awesome guest today, Matt Estrade. He's the author of The Peace with Dementia Rosary. And Matt, not only are you an author, but you provide so much of a really a gift of yourself. Not only are you husband and father, but you also have this beautiful apostolate in the midst of all of your work that people can find out more about at your website. And what is that website? 
DementiaRosary.com. Yes, DementiaRosary.com. And there people can find your blog, information about the book. They can submit prayer requests. And also you have your own podcast, Matt. So um, I want to direct people there as well. And you've got, I'm just looking, just really discovering that myself that you now have this podcast with all kinds of episodes up there for people. I'm sure that they will address one or more needs that someone listening may have today. So I would like to know, first of all, who is this book for, The Peace with Dementia Rosary? And tell us a little bit about the structure of the book and how you you designed and formatted the book. So the book I wrote for, for, two, main, for two main audiences, but then I'll talk about two others that I think um, could benefit from it. So the first two are the person living with dementia. And there might be people who are who are questioning that one. Like, why would you write? Why would you write a book for someone who may not be able to read any longer? Mm. And it's true that for some people, dementia uh, specifically will uh, hinder or even completely stop their ability to read and write. Um, but there are far more. There are far more people with dementia, I believe, that are in the early enough stages that they can read, understand, and appreciate the written word. And there, there are even persons living with, living with dementia who are writing books to this day about their experience, which I think is very helpful. So I always like to assume that the person living with dementia um, can still do all of these things unless they can tell me that, that they're not uh, able to. Plus, they might be able to have somebody, uh, one of their care partners or family members, to be able to read that to them. So that's right. the, the primary audience would be that person living with dementia. Yes. Um, and, and a close close second would be their care partners. And by care partners, I mean the person who is um, really along, holding their hand along the way on this challenging journey. It could be many times it's a family member. So it could be a spouse. Many times it's um, a daughter or a son. Uh, but it could extend itself to um, to nieces and nieces and nephews and um, and friends even. Yeah. So these are people in the inner circle that are really like saying, you know, I'm with you right. on this and we're going to we're going to get through it and make the best of it. Right. And can I just interject? I know you have yeah. two couple more categories, but I love, mm-hmm. you know, words mean something. They reflect our thinking, they reflect our understanding, they reflect our the foundation, you know, that we have within us. And I love the terminology care partners rather than care providers. That's sort of the standard the terminology, at least that I learned, you know, the, the care provider, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. but the care partner, you say in your book on page 11, that it, it reflects the two way relationship, a true partnership between a care recipient and someone caring for them. And that really reflects our faith, that mutuality, the communion of persons, you know, I just yeah. wanted to interject that I love you have so many words like that, that sort of nurturing our understanding of this, this relationship in a way that is reflected fully of our full being and our faith as well. So I love that. Yes, thanks. For, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. I think it's part of the the hope I want to bring people so that hopefully when they see words like care partner and this two way communication, two way relationship, they they you know they're not as um, they're not as uh, disappointed or or feel like they have to suffer through this by themselves. Sure. So it's it's all about you know, going back to our faith and offering hope as well. Sure. So the, the other two briefly are um, medical professionals. And these yeah. might be, you know, those that yourself, like a psychiatric nurse practitioner, it could be a physician, 
Um, it could be non-medical, like a social worker um, or even clergy. Read the book or listen to my podcast and get this psycho, uh, this psychosocial um, and positive aspect of, of dementia and really learn about what the family's going through um, and, you know, uh, things that you can't learn in a classroom or in a textbook. So that's what I try to bring in the book as well as in the podcast. And then the fourth group, I don't want to forget about this group. These are, these are our, our, our family and friends that have, that have, um, they've gone away. They've kind of strayed. Oh, they're, they're, mm-hmm. I guess, they're like the sheep that have, you know, left the flock, but we want to go after them. We want them to come back. Yes. And my hope is that these family members, I had mentioned this before, sometimes you have a family with, with many siblings, but you, but all the work, the care partnering falls on one person. Yes. I'm hoping that someone at who, that who has kind of walked away because they're, they're afraid or they're in denial and, you know, they're just upset and can't come to grips. I'm hoping that they'll pick up the book mm. and see some of these things about care partnering, about maintaining dignity, about um, the benefit of coming around, even if you're not providing on uh, hands-on care, that just being there for that person living with dementia and with the main care partner, it's just, it's a huge impact. So Truly. I'm hoping, I'm hoping to reel in that, that fourth group um, oh well. yeah, and I think I think what you're you're talking about in an, in another way of looking at it is really conversion of the hearts of the family members that have that have you know left the fold, if you will, for oh, whatever yeah. reason. And so, really, this can be just another fruit of the suffering. Do you know? Absolutely, that's a be- and it's a beautiful word for it, conversion, because that's yeah. that's what it would be. We let the secret out. We're just trying to bring yep. you back, y'all. <laughs> Right. So, anyway, so you talk a lot about and you share a lot about just just in your person, Matt, but also in your book about the there's so many emotions, emotions of the person who is living with dementia, but also of the care partners along the journey, along this season, which can be a long, a long season. I know that I encounter just in my own work. Just thinking about the moment of diagnosis and trying to even, you know, working with families to actually get a person to agree to even go for testing to get a diagnosis. There can be resistance for years, literally. And and it's because of this immense fear and anxiety, because somehow, don't you think the person with dementia knows somewhere deep down that something is, is wrong and they don't want to know. So that's kind of where where I sort of encounter things. And it is amazing the, you know, the scenarios that they will create to avoid getting a diagnosis. But anyway, I digress. I want to hear from you about the emotions that you see. I mainly see sort of fear and anxiety, but you see more, I know. Yeah, it, yeah. And it's really interesting what you're saying. It's like, yeah, I do believe that that most persons who are developing dementia they feel like they may not know what what's going on, but they know something's not right, and they're in some kind of fog, and that's really scary. And I get this from uh, from people who live or living with dementia that you know that I interview or or, or work with, and uh, yeah, it's it's frightening, and it's one of those things where you do, you don't want to know the answer, but ironically, if you get to the doctor and you can get some kind of diagnosis, in some cases, not certainly not all, but in some cases, we can find a medical reason for it, and, yeah. um, and find that it's not a not a permanent dementia <clears throat> like Alzheimer's, um, but it's getting over that hump and you know swallowing and uh, 
you're getting into doctor's office, which is hard to, for us to do or to convince our loved ones to do, but it's cer- certainly something that, you know, to try for. Yeah, the, 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 for the care partner and even for the person with dementia, uh, many, many times depression, um, will enter the picture. And that, as you know, that brings feelings of helplessness and, and loneliness and just, you know, what, what can I do? Um, which, which in, uh, which also, as you know, is treatable in many cases and yes. should definitely be diagnosed and, and, and treated. And then there's this concept I wanted to mention of, of ambiguous loss. And this is not something that is in like the, like the common medical terminology. Um, but uh, ambiguous loss is a term that was coined about 40 years ago, a little over 40 years ago by, uh, Professor Pauline Boss, now, uh, retired, um, or Professor Emeritus of University of Minnesota. And this is part of her uh, PhD dissertation. And she's done 40 years of research in the meantime, and is still going strong. But ambiguous loss is this uh, time when person a person has a chronic illness. So say your loved one has a chronic illness, and dementia is a perfect example, where the person is there physically, uh, but emotionally they're not the same person. And the terms that she uses is that the person is in front of you is alive, but also they're dead at the same time. And you, as you, as you might expect, we as Americans, especially, we want things to be very clear. We want things mm-hmm. to be black and white. Yeah. When someone is um, quote unquote, both alive and dead, it really tugs at us and confuses us. And we want, we want some kind of clarity. We, we don't want them to pass away, but it's almost as if it might feel to someone, it would be easier if they weren't, or if they, if they had died, um, or if they were back to being 100% the person that I know. But when there's that middle ground, um, it, 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 does, it does two things. As caregivers, it can cause immobilization where we, are, where we sort of freeze. And whereas many problems, we might be able to sit down and kind of write it out and sketch a plan out um, and, and go forward and pre- be proactive, it, it immobilizes us and freezes us. Mm-hmm. And the second um, possible symptom that is common when people are experiencing ambiguous loss is this alienation of the person or emotional alienation of the person with dementia. So it's, it's, it's not uncommon to hear someone say, I'm not going to go visit dad because that's not my dad anymore. Yes. So that's an example of this, this alienation or keeping people at, at arm's length emotionally yes. so that they, cause they're trying to protect themselves. They're not, they're not trying. I don't think they're trying to be mean. They're just going through this ambiguous loss. But the good news is that I've found that through the, uh, through my research thesis, through this qualitatively through the, um, the project that I did where I introduced, uh, the book to, uh, to groups of people is that identifying this concept and reading this book by Pauline Boss it made a huge impact because just putting a label on it and yes. feeling uh, it made made them feel validated, and also helped get them through some of her coping strategies to yeah. help them um, overcome that as best as they can, so that they can be proactive and so that they can, you know, become closer again with their loved one. In, in essence, you're saying it kind of gave some clarity, some understanding to the actual experience of the paradoxes of, of the place of tension, the place of conflict, the place of being feeling yeah. like you're being split apart, you know, and, yeah. and where where things are not black and white and, and clear anymore. And, and, and really, you've, you know, 
it's like trauma. I mean, you've been blown out of the water, um, mm-hmm. you know, and so, yeah, this is so beautiful. And, you know, just listening to you, Matt, I, I, this may be a little bit of a divergence, but I do want to ask you in your last moment here, because I do, I do receive from you so much hope. There's no question that this cross that, that is asked of families in our fallen but redeemed world, right? That, 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 that the cross and the burden of dementia is difficult. It is a suffering. And in some, yeah. in many, many cases, it is, it is, as we said, a long journey. As What is it, Ronald Reagan, the long goodbye, right? And right. there's just a lot that, that goes into that season, and no one looks forward to that. However, I hear a lot of hope. But along with some of the things that we hear people say nowadays— in a society and in a culture that that really is struggling with the dignity of every single single human person, you hear things under the guise of mercy, you know, um, that that people it's it's affecting us where we don't understand that the dignity of you know the person the person living with dementia still has dignity as a human person, and we cannot end that suffering. We cannot have an active role in hastening death. But you do hear people say, I, I mean hear people say all the time when this happens to me you just I don't want to burden you so you put a pillow over my head or think I mean just people right. say yeah. things like this people and so I, I feel right. like we need to bring that up because I think that you are a light in this world that can can shine upon and illuminate in and through Christ and his mother, right? The beauty of the gift somehow in the bitter, the bitterness of this, the beauty of the gift of this particular journey of suffering and the dignity and the beauty and the value of the life of the person and the family going through this. Yeah, I'm so glad that you you brought that up. Yes, in, in this time of suffering, it, I hear a lot of things um, coming out of Europe and, and, and it's not even, um, it's oh. going back oh. even a decade, oh. you know, people, mm-hmm. you know, people eager to jump on that and i'm sure you're keeping up with the news of things in new jersey and you know yeah. and the pacific yeah. northwest and yeah. yeah you know it's it's really scary so it's, it's important very scary. that we that we champion this uh dignity for all persons including persons living with dementia and try to point out you know this 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 is this is suffering this is a journey uh but all is not lost there's still lots of life to be lived for both the care partner the family members and the person living with dementia. Amen. Oh, it has been wonderful to have you, Matt. And yes. I want I want people to connect with you. I want people to have a copy of your book, The Peace with Dementia Rosary. What is the best way that people can do that? So the best way to um, follow everything I'm doing is to go to DementiaRosary.com, and there you'll be able to um, order the book, see a preview of the book, um, I have the uh, I have a Facebook page which you can find on there. Um, I'm on Twitter, on Instagram, so I'm a bunch, at a bunch, probably too many places. Uh, but but if you go to dementiarosary.com, you will be able to find that. And uh, God willing, uh, sometime soon I will have a, Dement- a piece with Dementia Rosary podcast where we'll focus on um, on faith and dementia. Whereas my other podcast is really for a very very broad audience with practical tips i really want to explore a podcast that's going to bring faith and you know talk to talk to um religious and talk to other people um in in our catholic community 
Oh my goodness. Well, you're such a gift, Matt. And we thank you so, so much for being here with us today on the Faith and Good Counsel Show. Until we are together again, dear friends, Pox Christie all, I'll see you next time here on the Faith and Good Counsel Show. Bye-bye for now. 